When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome into Brewcast for Mason Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined by Stephen Osentowski here with you on Monday night. October 18th as we head into Tuesday, October 19th, coming off the bye week, a little stress-free Saturday uh, for the Wolverines fans out there, and uh, hopefully a stress-free Saturday coming up here this week. We'll see, but uh, no, we we got some football to get to. We've got uh, some basketball to get to as well with the uh, eight people dropping here today for the, the preseason, but before we get into all that, Stephen, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing well. Just got back from Chicago, pulled into the driveway about 15 minutes ago. So ain't no rest for the wicked, man. It was a wow. Yeah, it was it was a fun weekend um, wedding there for a friend in Chicago. So uh, saw a lot of people for the first time in forever. Um, Partied for the first time uh, in forever. What it feels like. And uh, yeah, man, it was it was nice to do something other than football. You know, I I. Mm. fall in love with my football Saturdays but the bye week's a good time sometimes I'll do like hollow weekends it'll be a fun break this time was a wedding so so it was a good weekend it was fun I'm I'm ready to uh get back in the swing of things and you know get get nervous for a game on Saturday so what did you a couple go through a couple of shirts or at least a few at least a few (laughs) even even for Northwestern it doesn't matter man my body doesn't know (laughs) My body never knows. It's just like, oh, it's a game. Let's let's do it. Sweat through it. But, oh uh, man, what what were you up to this weekend? Did you? Uh, I, yeah, you I, I took in a I took in a little college football, but uh, up here, man, battle for the Miners Cup, Northern Michigan versus Michigan Tech at the Dome. So uh, went to that. Saw a great 
great little D2 action game, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't the the one that everyone's eyes were on in the GLIAC with Ferris and Grand Valley playing on Saturday night, but uh, still, sure. yeah, was able to get a little stress-free college football action in, which I, I truly do enjoy every once in a while. Nice. Nice. That's a fun, that's a fun little spot. Was it at Northern Michigan or at Michigan Tech? Yep. Yeah, it was at Northern, so it was at the Superior Dome. Yeah. Always good to go watch a game there. That's a fun time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, uh, look, it was still kind of a crazy college football Saturday, though, uh, even with, I mean, we'll kick it off right here with uh, Dylan Gurk asking, so you think Iowa dropping one helps or hurts Michigan? Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters, to, to be quite honest with you, because, look, if you meet up with Iowa in the Big Ten championship game, that means you've got a chance to, to win the Big Ten. I mean, unless you expect Michigan to be a two-loss team getting to Indy, which I don't really foresee happening. I know I, there's probably a possibility in there with the, the way the schedule works out with everyone. But end of the day, if Michigan has one loss or no losses and they end up winning the Big Ten championship, they're a college football playoff team. Yeah, the thing, it, it might help because if Michigan does get to uh, Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship game, that likely means they took out Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. There are scenarios in which that isn't the case, right? Michigan maybe drops one of those games and can still make it if something crazy happens. But going with the scenario that Michigan wins out and meets Iowa in Indy, if Iowa were an undefeated team at that point, you could potentially have a play-in game there if you had two undefeated Big Ten teams from each division meeting there. Now, with Iowa losing, that gives a lot more breathing room in that scenario for Michigan because then you would have wins over, right now, three top ten teams from the Big Ten East, and Iowa you know, not really having all that much. Their win over Penn State, I think, would be the only ranked win Um, added in the bad loss to Purdue this weekend, and their resume isn't looking anywhere near Michigan. So even if Michigan would lose in Indianapolis and Iowa wins the Big Ten, I think Michigan still would have a much better resume than Iowa in that scenario. So, again, there's a lot of football to be played, but if you're looking strictly at, on paper, if they meet in Indianapolis, this loss, I think, does help Michigan. I don't think it helps the Big Ten because Iowa was always kind of a, like, they're number two. I think everyone was just like waiting for that ball to drop, right? Like this just isn't going to happen. Iowa isn't this number two team in the country. And uh, they got caught and they looked bad, man. Four picks for Petrus. Like that was. What is it about Purdue? Just like once every couple of years, they just go out and whoop someone. I, I saw a tweet on it and it's kind of, it's not a bad tweet. It's, it's the a Miami little, Hurricanes tweet. No, no. It was like, oh. put like, have Purdue play in front of sick kids and they're just going to win like against anybody. Like, right. Iowa, they have the, someone, for the kids. someone tweeted that it said uh, Purdue when they play in front of sick kids. And then they put the team photo of the 2001 Miami hurricanes. Oh, is that it? Oh, well, I, yeah. I didn't, okay. So there's multiple variations of that same thing. Yeah. We saw different ones, but man, I mean, you're right. They beat the breaks off of OSU uh, in the Tyler Trent game, which was, like one of the more memorable games I can remember of the past, you know, decade probably is just insane. And then, yeah, they just make Iowa look extremely pedestrian. So yeah, man, I mean, they, Brome just pulls one out once every three years and it's just, it's, it's fun to watch, but then you're just like, man, how, how good are any of these teams? And I feel like we, we can talk about a lot of these other games this week where it's just like, what happened? I thought, 
Nebraska was good. I thought Rutgers was pulling some things together. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, army is army, but it's like, still, it's just like, I have no idea anymore. (laughs) Like who is good in this conference? It's, it's, it's pretty puzzling at this point. Yeah. By the way, uh, Wisconsin army, your annual reminder to not schedule service Academy uh, teams on your schedule. Yeah, But yeah, to your point, man, how about just Northwestern? Getting the victory over Rutgers, like did, no way did I see that coming after the shellacking Nebraska gave them the week before. Just how bad Nebraska's looked this year. I mean, they have been. This has been like the worst Northwestern team under Pat Fitzgerald in a long time. And I think watching Rutgers throughout the season, it was like, yeah, they they are a competent football team on the rise here. And then yeah, they just drop a dud, losing by fourteen to to Northwestern and it's just like I I have no idea because um it's one of those things where I thought they were a good test for Michigan's defense overall with Vedris you know running quarterback and Northwestern didn't really have a problem and um it's just so puzzling this year overall because Nebraska loses to Minnesota and Minnesota I feel like I haven't thought about Minnesota at all this entire season I mean they're four and two right now they're Wins are over uh, Miami of Ohio by five, which was like, okay, like, yeah, sure. And then a 30 to nothing win over Colorado. Colorado's a bad team. They lost to Bowling Green. Yeah. And then they beat Purdue and Nebraska. It's like, what is going on? Like, I don't soon, understand. And, and we just thought that Nebraska was about to turn a corner. Yeah, they looked like a like against both Michigan State and Michigan. They played like a top 25 very competent team like they were making mistakes but they had a very interesting offense really great quarterback and it was just like I I have no idea what to make of any teams right now and especially because all of Ohio State Penn State Michigan and Michigan State none of those teams have played against each other yet like it's just going to be an onslaught in the second half of this this schedule and as you see all these other dominoes falling of like yeah it's not the like Wisconsin of old but they're still relatively decent and they're like just every game is a touchdown game for them and then all of these other games we're talking about it's just like it's either a meat grinder where no one's good or like it's just uh, another season where it I mean we didn't learn a whole lot last year in some regards where it's like how much is that like how much can you throw that out because both Michigan and Michigan State are undefeated who would have predicted that Mm -hmm. and um I feel like I just can't make predictions anymore because <laughs> from one week to the next, it's like nothing applies. It's like, I thought Nebraska was like, had a chance to still be a contender in the big 10 West. And now I'm of the mindset that like Scott Frost might be gone. Like, yeah, <laughs> like he might be like, that's not a game you can lose. And um, yeah, man, it, there's, there's just so much chaos. And um, now I have to like pay attention to Northwestern and like actually look at them because it's like, what did they do against Nebraska here? Well, and I think that brings us uh, to this from QED. He said, if you're Jim Harbaugh, do you do any extensive prep for Northwestern? Or do you set all eyes on the MSU game? And I think unequivocally, you can't overlook anyone in the Big Ten. You know, obviously, look, there are little things I think you can do throughout the year. Like if you if you set aside a, a different portion of practice like every day for, for Ohio State, like I get that. That's fine because it's part of your routine. But you absolutely, if you're the team, 
you are looking at Northwestern and only Northwestern right now. Like maybe they did a little bit of scouting during the bye week on Michigan State. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that, the, the coaching staff. But from a team perspective, you're all in on the game plan against Northwestern. You're taking this one game at a time. Like we don't have to do that because right. we have zero impact on the game. But the team is absolutely going to be laser focused on the next opponent. Yeah, and I do think that's something that is – I don't want to say a little bit overstated, but I think it's kind of, I don't know what the right term is for what I'm about to describe here. I think it's, it's probably inaccurate. I think it's almost surely inaccurate. The amount that people think the bye week is spent on specific opponents. If I'm a coaching staff, I think the bye week is a perfect opportunity to, to, to do a very extensive self scout on yourself Mm. how are teams looking at my film almost like men in black myself right with the sensor just erase my memory go back watch my film from the first six uh, games of the season what are teams learning from that and how are they going to scheme based off of that information almost be a student of yourself pretend like you're prepping for your own team, like going against your own team and what are opposing coaches going to learn from that? And what are tendencies you have to break that you've now put on film? And that's something where like, if you can appropriately do that, spend a lot of time that week building counters to your tendencies, to the team that you are at that point and having those counters queued up and, you know, maybe a a separate branch of your offense, different areas on defense that you can kind of throw a change up there. That's going to benefit you in all of the games throughout the season, rather than just dedicating time specifically for Ohio State, specifically Michigan State, because um, doing that approach of that extensive self-scout, you don't have time to do that because Mm -hmm. exactly what, I I can't pronounce the name, but the question you just showed here, um, you can't really prep for, um, like you you need to be prepping for for each team on your schedule. And if, if you're, focusing on a a team in the future, things like that. What you do in that self-scouting week is going to help you regardless of who the opponent is, is what I'm trying to get at. So, um, so yeah, I I think it is something where of course you're going to, I think put certain bodies always looking towards those top competitions, especially ones against rivals. You know, I've been a main um, push person. I don't know what the word is. I've been a big, supporter of the conspiracy theory that Ohio state um, spends a lot more time prepping for teams that are very successful and have more importance like Michigan. I think they've been able to get away with doing that because of the talent that they can get by against other teams. But I think Michigan in general under Harbaugh doesn't really do that. I think he probably takes a more NFL approach where you just need to spend an equal amount of time um, each week. Um, So yeah, Long answer, my, the short version of that answer is I doubt there's any less prep for Northwestern um, given the bye week. I think the bye week allows you to get a little bit healthier, self-scout and make more adjustments that will help you over the the second half of the season. And it's a really well-timed bye week for that as well. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I like the idea of not going into the Michigan State game off a bye. I, I like having, yeah. and it's not necessarily a, a juggernaut of an opponent that you have to play prior to that. So you can, I, I think to your point here, Stephen, is that they can do some things. They, they can try and figure it out. If, if they did do, you know, a lot of the self-scouting like you're talking about, 
is throw some counters out there and see how it works against a team like Nebraska. And not really, you know, your win probability is probably going to stay above 80% for the entirety of the game. Right. Yeah. And, and Dylan Girk had a good point. He said he, it kind of sucks. State gets a bye week right before they play us, but I'm hoping we hit Northwestern early and get starters out quick, like momentum coming out of the week. Yeah. And I do get that because especially for a team like Michigan state, there is more focus on Michigan than anyone else on their schedule. Like that's just the fact of it. And um, when you consider recruiting implications two years in a row, that will resonate a lot with recruits. If you're Tucker, if he's looking to stick around for a while, then that's the kind of momentum you need. So there is some truth to that where States by week does benefit them a lot to have more specific prep time for Michigan than Michigan may have for state. But um. But kind of going what you're saying, I kind of like having this opponent here where Michigan shouldn't struggle, but anything that they do try from their self-scouting by week, anything that, you know, they can kind of use it, hopefully as a tune-up, get a lot of their backups, some starting starting experience, things like that. Um, You know, like second half, you can almost run them out there to start the second half, hopefully, if that's how the game does go against Northwestern. But there's a lot of opportunities that, uh, having um, an easier opponent can be more beneficial than the bye week. You come out of that bye week pretty cold. You haven't played, right? You know, and you think about. I mean, now I'm getting like super weird about it, but think of like the weather. If it's like you know a, a middle of September, like earlier October, and then you get into late October, could be a totally different feel to that game. And you haven't played in two weeks, and you come out cold. That's a conceivable situation as well. So. There's a lot of small things about it that I think um, could go either way. Um, But the big brother here commented, I'm glad the MSU game is at noon. This is something where I want to get your take on it too. As a fan, I love it because I've talked extensively on this podcast about just my shirt sweating, just (laughs) grossness. And I'm, I'm that throughout the entire day until the game is over. So I'm thankful for that front. I think it's a big miss for the Big Ten, though, man. This is the biggest. I mean, I get it because you have Ohio State, Penn State that same day. Yep. This this could be the biggest Michigan, Michigan State game in program history. Like, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. I can't think of a game that has higher stakes for both of those teams in quite some time. Am I am I crazy for saying that this is the biggest game in the rivalry's history at this point? Right now, I. Uh, off the top of my head, I think you're right. I, I'm trying to think back to 2015. I think both were undefeated in the Big Ten uh, going into that game that year. Michigan did already have the one loss to Utah, though. Uh, Michigan State was undefeated coming in. I don't know if they've ever met this late while while being undefeated. I don't know if they've ever met as undefeated uh, opponents regardless uh, of when they've played. Yeah, it's at least like that 2015 game is the only one that really stands out where it's like, that winner is really well positioned moving forward. Um, But yeah, I can't think of the last time both teams were like, you know, truly undefeated. And I mean, they could be probably not both top five teams because where's Michigan state at right now? I think they're at like number nine. They're not going to move up to top five, but it's for sure. Top 10. If Michigan can, you know, hold on next week, knock on wood against Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern. But, but yeah, I can't remember the last time it was, undefeated and top 10 I bet it's the it's the first time in both in program history that that will be the case so so I I I understand 
you know, this is uh, this was obviously a, a, a pretty big topic uh, here today when the game got announced for noon. I understand what Fox is doing, obviously, because they want the big noon kickoff. These are the type of games they envisioned when they got the Big Ten rights and they decided to do the big noon kickoff. Um, I, I will say, I for particularly for Michigan State fans and really the students over there, it kind of sucks. Uh, noon kickoffs are, are not great uh, on a big game, especially if you're trying to get that atmosphere built up you're trying to tailgate a little bit i i personally am not a huge fan of the night games i think 330 would have been a sweet spot for them uh for me love noon love noon for this game especially on the road uh at michigan state 330 though i feel like that's that's kind of the traditional michigan michigan state matchup too is i you know i, I think back to the the braylon edwards game uh 2004 2005 whichever one it was uh you know the big comeback game that was the three kind of that october feel it starts, there's light, and by the end of the game, it's dark and you're playing kind of under the lights, man. That's that's kind of what Michigan-Michigan State's always felt like. But uh, the, the new kickoff, I don't mind. I think it would have been silly to have it at 7 or 7.30. I just, I'm not a big fan of that, particularly as we move to the back half of October. Like, there's a reason the Big Ten needs both teams to agree to play night games in November. Like, we're getting there, you know, to that yeah. point. I understand the, the night game is the showcase and everything like that. I think 3.30 would have been good. I, I wouldn't have liked to see it as a night game, and I'd be yeah. surprised if Michigan State fans would have as well. Yeah. I, I want to call out Venice Blue Dev, who says, now fans are overlooking Western, I'm assuming Northwestern, already talking MSU. This is the biggest thing I, I like see on Twitter and like people yeah. just saying overall, what does that mean? It means <laughs> nothing. I can talk about Ohio State every week. Sure, it's annoying. It's not going to affect anything. If your players, if the players for Michigan are paying enough attention on Twitter to have the general level of discourse on a future opponent, if they're paying that close attention to where it's affecting their mental ability to focus on Northwestern instead of, or like instead of, Northwestern focusing on Michigan State, Ohio State, that team's already going to lose if the, the players are paying that close attention. So I can talk about I can talk about Central Michigan and send off a million tweets about Central Michigan, and it'll have no effect on anything. I can talk about Iowa. I can talk about Indianapolis. Nothing's going to change how this team is playing. Um, it's such a pet peeve of mine, man. Oh, it's like unbelievable. We, we have no impact on the game. I see we it every. None. I see it every time. It's like hold on let's let's wait until we actually beat northwest like what, what let me let me talk some things let me have some fun let me let me envision what a halloween game with two like the potential for the best game in program history i'm not allowed to just like envision it like that's what makes college football fun is being right. able to think about the players it. cannot do that that would be very disappointing and to, obviously i mean uh, Michigan App State obviously comes no, to mind. I disagree with you. I want them thinking about how special that game will be if they can head into that game on October 30th undefeated. I want them thinking about that and use that as motivation to beat the brakes off of Northwestern. Okay. Think about how cool that would be. Like if you're not thinking of like how cool it would be an undefeated game, like two undefeated Ohio State and Michigan heading into a game to, you know, for a chance to go to Big Ten, like, that's what you dream of. That's why you go to the school to play those big, big games. That, and and you get there, of course, by focusing on each opponent. You do that week by week. But if that's not in the back of your head, then why are you there? You want to be in the yeah. spotlight. You want to be in those big games. And, of course, 
doing the things week by week will get you there. But um, I don't know, man. I, I think it's I think it's I'm with you. It's the most ridiculous thing. Um, and he says, and this is if anyone's on the podcast, it's Venice Blue Dev in the uh, YouTube chat. Yeah, because you look dumb talking undefeated and then we lose. Yeah, OK. Again, me talking about it, I'm not looking dumb. I'm saying I hope that we right. can get to that. Of course, it might happen. Michigan could lose to Northwestern because I didn't think Northwestern had any shot at beating Nebraska. It could happen. Right. Me talking about it doesn't do anything. I can talk about whatever. And, and Blue Deb, you can talk about how stupid I am, and I can't stop you. So you can't stop me, and uh, we're going to fight. So me versus Venice Blue Dev. Um, we're going to meet and we're going to duke it out and uh, time and place. Let's go. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. But uh, okay. no, it's, I, I've ranted like enough. we're going to like, this is what we do. We we look ahead where we obviously we already talked Northwestern. We, we mentioned that the players are not going to overlook Northwestern. Like it's, it is what it is. They, they still have to win the game. And like you said, it'd be very cool. Uh, for Michigan, Michigan State to meet up undefeated. That's what we expect to happen. Michigan is three touchdown favorites against Northwestern. Has bigger upsets happened in the past? Yes. But, I mean, what can you do? You know, like, like there, there's nothing we can do about, like, like and Steven's probably going to be breaking down film here this week. Maybe he'll, he'll give you some love, you know, on, on Northwestern and, and breaking down their film if that's what, you know, you, you want to do maybe in case they want you to suit up, go play linebacker or something like that. But, you know, like, like we're, we're, we're just gonna, we're going to talk about Northwestern. We're going to talk about Michigan state. I mean, we could talk about the fact that the, the remaining part of the, the remaining schedule is absolutely brutal. Like this is, this has been a great season up to this point, but I mean, you look at Michigan state, Penn state, still Maryland is a scary team. Indiana played Michigan state tough Ohio state. Like this is going to be a wild wild end of the schedule and we can go ahead and look ahead to that it's it's got to be whoever scheduled this season they have to be just like patting themselves on the back because when you have ohio state still with michigan michigan state um you you have all the top four teams that are still in the big or still in the top 10 right now in the east to play each other I don't know if they have the crystal ball to do that. I mean, in terms of ratings, man, like these oh. games are going to absolutely dominate because imagine being imagine being Fox right now, knowing oh. you got like first pick of the Big Ten rights. They're Scrooge McDucking their way like <laughs> through the rest of the season. They're just swimming through dollars. It's so it's crazy. So and we've got all these four hour broadcasts to look forward to. Oh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be funny. Um, when I, cause I don't see the like only scenario I see is one of these teams like dramatically falls apart, could be Michigan or like Michigan state or even Penn state where they just lose to all of the three other teams. You could have like a scenario where it's like Michigan, Ohio state meet at the end of the year undefeated, like depending on, I don't, I honestly don't even know um, what the future looks like. Have they announced what Penn state's quarterback Clifford his injury status. I haven't heard anything on, on Sean. It's been super quiet. Yeah. It's been super quiet. So like, I will say uh, his backup in the Iowa game was maybe one of the worst power five quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. And it was a tough situation. Yeah. But my God, was it bad? Yeah. It's a scary situation, but yeah, not great. So that's another thing where it's like, if Clifford isn't back, that's like the weakest top 10 teams still. So yeah, like you could, again, it's kind of like looking at, 
Nebraska and Rutgers this week, you could tell me like any one of these scenarios I'm kind of talking about of one team winning out, another one like losing all three of those main matchups. And like, I would believe any one of those things at this point. Like you could tell maybe the only thing I wouldn't believe is Ohio State losing against all the other three top 10 teams at this point. But it's um, it's shaping up to be probably one of the, like more exciting Big Ten East races um, in the second half of a season that I can remember. But um, but yeah, we'll we'll see, man. I'm uh, I'm excited for it. And I'm I am interested to see what happens in the Big Ten West now, because I think like I said earlier, Iowa isn't the number two team in the country, but like they're just kind of beaten up on each other. Everyone's like three and three or like four yeah. and two. Like Minnesota is like sneakily, I think right now, like second in the Big Ten West. Is that right? Like there's just no direction there. So it's like maybe Purdue. It's it's going to be a weird a weird finish to the Big Ten for both for both the divisions. It's really odd. So Iowa is still three and one. Over there, Minnesota's two and one. Purdue is two and one. Northwestern is one and two. Wisconsin's one and two. Illinois one and three. And Nebraska one and four. To your point, Scott Frost. I mean, I don't know how he survives this season. To be quite honest with you, you had Adrian Martinez returning. You had all the expectations. I think. I think it might, the nail might be in the coffin for Scott Frost down in Lincoln. Yeah, I just I don't know how you come back from that because they really had one of the roughest schedules this year, right? And when you're when your crossover games are Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State, you're looking at just a gauntlet of a schedule overall. Um, and then you you have at Oklahoma early yeah. on in the season as well. It's just like they weren't set up well to to like be like getting bowl eligible would be a pretty solid season for them with that kind of schedule. But then they drop a game to start the season against Illinois. And like that's one you just can't lose. And then against like another middling team at uh at Minnesota. And it's just like those two games, man. If if he won those games, then they'd be like four mm-hmm. and three right now instead of or like at least four and or five, five and three, probably. Um and it's just like I I don't see how he survives. I don't, I just no. don't because he just hasn't shown improvement and he's made games really interesting, but he just hasn't been able to close it. And um, I don't really have sympathy for him, but um, no. I, I have some sympathy for Nebraska fans, even though they are super annoying on Twitter. But again, Twitter people aren't like real life people because right. they're just lizards or something. Except, I don't for maybe the te- except for maybe the Tennessee fans. That's fair. That's fair. And <laughs> oh my gosh, did you see the end of that game? Just as like a brief uh, aside little, from Big uh, Ten Joe talk. talk here, oh, that's uh, Joe. What are you doing, man? For anyone who didn't watch that game, which it was a wild ending with trash being thrown on the field from uh, from a bunch of fans, and it ended with um, where were they? Probably like twenty five yard line or so. Yeah, I'd like. Like within striking distance. Yeah. Last like three seconds on the play, Joe Milton just kind of scrambles around with a three man rush. Didn't really have to scramble. And then he just runs out of bounds at like the 10 yard line um, to end the game. And it's just like, just one of those situations where you just kind of feel for the guy, but also like, where's the awareness? Um, yeah, man. I, I felt like sad, but then like, when I saw the off season articles about Joe Milton and like people were really excited about him winning the job and stuff and 
all Michigan fans were like, we've been there, man. We, we, we yep. were there. I know how you feel. So it's, it, it's, it's what I, makes college football what it is because that like, wanna, yeah, go, go yeah. for it. Uh, I just wanted to go back to this comment here from Anthony uh, Smela. Sorry if I butchered that uh, buddy. He said, I was in Nebraska for Russell Bellamy. We know bad oh. backup QB play. So I, I was watching that, uh, Penn State Iowa game and uh, was texting with Anthony and Chris and Chris brought the Bellamy game up and I didn't realize it at the point until he said it that I had blocked that out of my memory like completely because I was so mad that they didn't give Devin Gardner a shot I don't care if Devin Gardner didn't play quarterback all year Uh, he can run he can still throw a football I don't even care if you knew the plays. Let him run around a little bit and throw it. Like it would have been no worse than that Russell Bellamy game. It was yeah. just, I mean, yeah, but but yeah, that was that was the perfect. I, I feel like that Penn State backup in the Iowa game was exactly like Russell Bellamy against Nebraska. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, that's the best second guy at like <laughs> a major program. Like, like no offense to these guys, right? Because they're better athletes than ninety nine percent of people out there. But like at a major program like that, that is making millions upon millions of dollars, like there couldn't be one guy like that. And I do understand that they lost Penn State lost their one of their quarterbacks to somewhere else. I forget where he transferred. So that's a big, big thing. Yeah. But like, but man, yeah, it, it's rough. And I know like the it away. Was, uh, didn't he go to uh, Baylor? Maybe was, that might was it be Baylor right. The- the guy who came in for uh, McSorley in the 2018 game, right? And he was like a big four or five star kid. Sounds right. I, I can't like, remember, honestly. Kentucky? Okay. Lewis Blake says Kentucky. Okay. That does sound right. Cause I remember watching him um, like last week or something. Um, and yeah, man, it, it it's exactly like that Russell Bellamy thing. And it's funny because I feel like, and I'll only bring this up briefly because I know it's been. Uh, Will Levis, that's his name. Yep. Thank you, Lewis. Oh, and, Will and... Levis, the, the dude who have you seen his like TikTok and the things he eats and stuff? It is a nightmare. I am off. I am not on TikTok. I would lose all of my time on that app. But um I, I've seen it on Twitter because I know some Kentucky fans that I follow and, and they tweeted out and they are appalled at some of the stuff. What is he is. eating? What does he do? It's um I I, I I'd have to go find it. I think he put like I watched. I think he puts like mayo in his coffee. Okay. Instead of instead of creamer, you I'm know. Out. I'm out. Yeah. Shark no, Tank. Like... I'm out. No. Nope. <laughs> Not buying any stock in Will Levis. No. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> but no, I was gonna I was gonna bring this up. I don't want to talk about it too much, but like a Russell Bellamy situation was like when you see that when you see that your initial reaction and same with like Sean Clifford and Penn State right now is like okay, we understand now why Sean Clifford is starting. Even if he starts to look shaky, we know that if we don't have Sean Clifford, the world is going to end. And it's funny because I feel like Michigan fans have kind of felt that at certain points where the starter has been like, is this the best that we, we have right now? Like, is the backup not better than this? And we felt that. By, I think, by the way, uh, Dylan McCaffrey has more interceptions and touchdowns in Northern Colorado right now. So yeah, not great. And, um, but it's funny because now we have this scenario where like Kate McNamara is a top, like top five quarterback in the conference, I think pretty comfortably. Um, I think you could argue he's higher than that, but um, yeah. And now the argument is still a lot of people do want to see McCarthy, but now it's like, 
because our ceiling is like winning a championship instead of like, is Cade McNamara the really the best, you know, best we can do? Like he's off. No, it's just people where it's like the ceiling could potentially be higher with McCarthy. So it's funny, like how different, how different the scenarios can be, but how the back of a quarterback is still Well, you know, you know the narrative would be the other way too, right? Like if, if they were, if the ceiling was eight and four on this team, people would be like, get McCarthy in there and get him reps so we can start building for the future. Like, That's true. There was no way the fans weren't calling for J.J. McCarthy this year. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of back to um, the Tom Brady, like, you know, like – is this the best guy? We just have a five-star freshman to come in and he should take over. It's like times, a, a, times a flat circle, man. It'll, it'll repeat itself when you see the, the hot five-star coming in. Um, Lewis Blake, unfortunately, I was one of those people that wanted to see John O'Corn. Lots of people were there. I was there. Hey, at, man, you were, you were not alone. Dude, I was there at the Purdue game when John O'Corn came in and just like saved the game. Like yeah. he, he had a phenomenal performance. I was there and people were like, who is this guy? I'm like, I don't know, but like, let's keep it going. And um, it's, it's what makes college football. Great. I think like, that's a thing that like, I think this year especially has brought up just like how unpredictable it is where a team can beat Northwestern 56 to seven play Michigan very, very close, lose by three and then turn around and lose to Minnesota. It's like, who is this? And then that same Northwestern team can make Rutgers look horrible. And um, the rest of the season just look like a, a doormat on, in the conference. It's just like, I'm going to stop stop making predictions now because like, it's also the reason that makes college football great is the reason I will never bet on college football. Because, <laughs> because you tell me to put money on the Northwestern game this past weekend, I'm losing a lot of money. Because like how confident I was that Northwestern would not have pulled out that game against Rutgers. It's just like, it's, it's unbelievable how variant like the entire sport is. Um, I thought I had such an easy cover on Georgia and then Mark Stoops calls timeout uh, with like one second left for the one. I mean, that's, that's, that's just gambling for you, I guess. But I mean, wild. yeah, like you said, yeah, college football, man. Uh, I, I do want to pivot, though, real quick here as we're getting a little bit later in the show. Uh, let's take a, a look at the AP rankings that just dropped for the basketball team coming in at number six uh, on the year preseason. I'm going to be honest with you, man. And this was a little bit lower than I expected Michigan to be coming in. Like, I know it's, it's great to be top 10, but hey, man, number one recruiting class in the country. You've got Hunter Dickinson coming back. You've got Devontae Jones coming over, who I think is, is going to be fantastic. Like, I get it. You lost the top 10 pick in Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, who, who went to the Pistons. But there's Eli Brooks is returning. You've got experience at the number one class in the country. I was a little bit surprised by this. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, top six felt a little low. I thought it was for sure top five. I was predicting, like, probably number three behind Gonzaga and UCLA. Um, but, yeah, man, when you have – what I think it's like two of Michigan's top three recruits ever are from this class yeah. in Caleb Houston and Musa Giabate. And it's like, they're getting talked up, right? They, they had a media day where everyone was asking about like the freshman Giabate sounds like a guy who's going to contribute heavily. I mean, I think we knew both Houston and Giabate were going to do that. You mentioned Devante Jones, which people have like, uh, I forget where the tweet was, but said like, point guard play is going to be improved dramatically from last year. And last year was really good 
point guard play, like not a trouble spot at all for this team. So to hear that, um, and then you bring back some veterans in Eli Brooks, Dickinson's going to, you know, he seems like he went through quite a bit of transformation through the weight room. And um, I mean, there's so, so many pieces there and you have guys like Johns, who's now a veteran who could, you know, conceivably mm-hmm. take a step up. Um, Williams, I think another guy who is poised to kind of take an elevated role, expand his game a little bit. So you have, I don't want to call it like fallbacks, but when you have a guy like Terrence Williams, who is almost like a fallback guy, who's like an experienced, um, you know, like sixth, sixth or seventh guy who most teams would expect to like fill roles as a starter, but because you have just five-star talent rolling in, um, it's, it's a team that has a lot of depth now and a lot of pieces to, you just have a lot of configurations that you could see working. Um, so yeah, it, Number six, I'm fine with because, I mean, last year Michigan walked in, I think, unranked. And it was like, really, you're not going to rank Michigan heading into last season? So, like, it's always a thing where, like, polls will figure themselves out, I think, much quicker in basketball than football just because of the number of games. But, um, yeah, I don't know what people are, are looking at where it's, like, just on paper, it's one of Michigan's most, um, I don't know. Salving is the, the wrong word. Um, Tentalizing. I don't know the word for it, but it, it's it's a damn good roster. I'll stick with yeah. that. But uh, so, mean, yeah, man. If, if Go these ahead. young guys can come up to speed quick, like it's it's going to be a problem. You know, like uh, one thing I will say, though, I am uh, interested to see what shooting is going to look like this year. Obviously, you lost Isaiah Livers. I think he was uh, top might have been the top, at least top three, three-point shooting guy in the Big Ten a year ago. Uh, Franz shot it at a good clip, obviously. Mike Smith shot it at a good clip uh, throughout the regular season. I know Devontae Jones, bit more of a slasher, um, you know. Uh, I think he can shoot it a little bit from out there. I know you did a, a video on him. Was he was he sub-40% from deep, though? Um, he, he had a bit of a variance in his career stats. I'm pulling them up right now. He did shoot – um close to 30 he was at like 37 percent from three-point range his uh most previous season so he's a he's a guy who can shoot it he did have like a his 2019-2020 season he was closer to 30 percent but um he was like a high usage guy overall um so like he he can shoot the rock um I think he's the defense he brings especially is going to match that of like Eli Brooks. You add like some more strength of Hunter Dickinson and like, it's going to be a team where I think defense is really going to be the focus. And that is going to be like the kind of X factor for this team. Where are those true freshmen at in terms of their defense and fitting in uh, to that culture? It seems like Michigan is putting a focus on that from media day. They're like, I think they understand that. And to your point, shooting is probably the second X factor because you can't just replace a Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers. Houston does right. come in with that uh, ability to shoot the ball. And man, watched him in Worlds, and that dude is a stretch four, stretch yeah. five, like to the max. Yeah. Um, so you're you're going to have shooters. You're going to have um, a lot of firepower down low, and it is a case where like you look at Giabate and Dickinson and you're like, man, I don't know what other program has two guys that can cover them on the floor 
right. and match that athleticism and just the strength. Cause like Dickinson's obviously more traditional five, but like you have two big guys right there at seven foot, you know, Dibate, I think is six eleven or something. Um, and there's just not a lot of guys, not a lot of two men that can cover those, let alone like in the country, let alone on the same team. So, so yeah, I think those freshmen is what take the program from a like, you know, top two, like top two, top three in the conference to like a team that should probably have like final four expectations. Like if they, if they realize their potential that they seem like they could be one and done's, And I think that's probably based on their ranking, what people are expecting them to be. Then um, I don't know how you, how you look at that and say, yeah, that's not a top five team. So I don't know. It'll be a, it'll be fun to watch. And um, it's going to be really, really, crowded in terms of Michigan sports heading into November because you got hockey who just earned the number one. Yeah, they're number one right now too. So you got hockey number one, football number six, and basketball number six right yeah, now. Yeah, man. I, I can't remember the last time that all three of those programs were as loaded right now. I, I would go ahead and bet that this is probably the most loaded um, or just like in terms of perception right now yeah, oh, football, yeah, 100%. football you could argue you know they're not as loaded as you know but like the combination of all three hockey has the most draft picks that a program has ever had um basketball is coming off obviously a great season and you know i think elite eight expectations at least top two in the conference and final four for a lot of people and then football steals everything in front of them undefeated so it's like it's it's gonna be a michigan fan man like like <laughs> Like uh, on the football side of things, I'm not still not quite to the point where I expect them to compete for a national championship. Obviously, there's a scenario in which that still happens here this sure. year. But for basketball and hockey, these are two teams I very much uh, expect to compete for a national championship here this year. I think Michigan hockey, I mean, they got three legit NHL players on their squad. Like, it's, oh, the, way more. Michigan is an odds on favorite to win a national championship here this year in hockey. Yeah, you know. if you're ranking like expectations of like a national title, Michigan is like they should win a national title with that <laughs> they, level. They, they actually like just should win. The Seriously, title. like yeah. they are expected to um, this year without a doubt. Basketball is like they're on the next level. Where like if they are not in the Final Four, I think a lot of people would be like, "Man, that was a lot of talent. They should have done better." Yeah. This is this is probably the first year for basketball I've come in like with these expectations. Even 2013, it was exciting with the you know the, what did they what did they call themselves, man? The the fresh five that that were coming in, oh, uh, McGarry and Robinson and um, uh, Spike and all those guys. I, yeah, I'm I, trying I, to remember what did they call themselves. Like I can't even remember. I was but, so uh, I was so deep into my engineering classes at that point. I feel like I just <laughs> my mind was mush. Whenever so I heard that, they they were exciting when we came in, but I was it still wasn't like I think this team is going to compete for a national championship. And then as the season got going, they were undefeated. Eventually, got ranked number one, and that's where the turn happened. Where you're like, yeah, this team is talented enough, especially with the level Trey Burke was playing at, that yeah. they could win a national championship. But for this like Michigan basketball team, they should at least compete for obviously the tournament is a crapshoot, but it's at least make it to the second weekend, probably at least make it to the elite eight. And this team should be top two big 10, like you said, and probably compete for a national championship. Yeah. And it is, I mean, Mike Smith was an X factor where it was like, 
what is he going to come in and bring this previous season? Obviously he filled a, a very needed role. Um, you are still pretty light at the point guard position. Zeb Jackson obviously is expected to take. And to see what Frankie Collins could do too, man. That's another guy. Yeah, I really like his game. Um, And it's crazy because we haven't even brought up Kobe Bufkin, who's like, he was quietly one of my favorite guys from the class. So it's, again, when you go back to like a lot of programs would need a guy like that to be filling the gap. And I think Michigan State could argue is kind of in that position um, where they need some guys to to fill some roles there that are, um, you know, not a potential one and done. I know they got Christy, who's a really solid freshman for them. Yeah. But um, but anyway, I love how Michigan is has set up themselves to be like they can get the big guys with with John Howard with Hunter Dickinson's development. Um, they're going to be able to get the big guys that they want. And then they've established a good way to use the transfer portal for um, some high powered point guards to come in. And it's a case where um, it's really hard probably to get a really, really solid big man or have those guys from a smaller program. You just don't see guys that are, you know, super athletic seven footers that are going to come from a smaller conference. Those guys usually just don't exist. And that size will usually get someone at least at a relatively major program. Um, And there's just less of those guys. There's a lot of point guards that can come from mid majors that um, can become veterans very quickly at a high level program. There's just a lot more six foot to six, two guys playing basketball in the world than the seven footers. So um I just love how they've structured that to fill the gaps that they, you know, they're leveraging the transfer portal for those bodies and leveraging the head coach's experience, leveraging a guy like Hunter Dickinson that you can point to really well. You have the Wagner, um, you know, you have Franz Wagner back in the day. You have um, a lot of big guys that I think Michigan has done well with, but especially with Juwan Howard, that's going to be like the bread and butter of recruiting where the, again, those guys just don't grow on trees. Um, so it's just a thing where Michigan is kind of in the Ohio state football scenario where they had a really good thing going with beeline. You bring in a guy who's an ACE recruiter, able to continue carrying the torch. And then they've molded themselves really well to leveraging the new aspects like the portal and, and things like that to really turn themselves into, um, like the Villanova model where you can attract the five star talents, but then you have your foundational guys that'll stick around a couple of years. So, yeah, man, I, I don't know which team I'm most excited for in the next couple months, but um, I my DVR is going to get a lot of activity, saving games to go back and watch throughout the rest of this season. Um, and I have like a calendar that I put all the games on, and yeah. there's like overlap with hockey and basketball. I'm just going to be like, my mind's going to explode. I, I don't have enough eyes. Like I just, I don't know what how to focus on all these different things that are happening. So and, and man, I just kind of you know I've been thinking about it a little bit, but you you just kind of got my wheels turning in, in just the way that the rosters you know built and think of how many ways they can beat you. They can go big. Caleb Houston's shooting ability allows you to play potentially Hunter Dickinson, Caleb Houston, and Musa Diabate out there at the same time with a couple of guards. But they can also go very small on you, where you've got Terrence Williams and Brandon Johns playing the four and five. Maybe Devontae Jones, Eli Brooks, and another shooter like Collins or, you know, or Buffkin or Zeb Jackson. Like, 
there's so many ways that they can put together a lineup out on the court to counter whatever it is that you're doing. It's going to make things so difficult on so many teams. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's truly like having the depth that Michigan has. That's the big reason that um, I think most Michigan fans should feel comfortable with those expectations. Um, Because you just, you know that you'll need someone to step up in one of these, one of these games. I think we saw it a lot last year where if Franz Wagner wasn't having a good game, Isaiah Livers could stay, could step up. Uh, Mike Smith had the ability to take over a game. He did that a lot at Columbia before his time in Michigan. And he did have a couple of games where he had to do that. And I feel like in Michigan teams in the past, um, if Livers wasn't producing, wasn't a whole lot else generating the offense. Last right. year was not the case where you, you could turn to most guys and I'm going to use a weird reference here, but you know how like, it's going to be super weird. Don't laugh at me, but you know how like <laughs> major, like any sort of accident for like an airplane or something, it takes multiple factors, multiple like engine failure, tail failure, all these different things lining up for it to finally crash and finally just like put together a bad game. And I feel like that was the game against UCLA last year. Spoken like a true engineer, by the way. Seriously, it's like, it's just usually (laughs) when one thing isn't working, right? Like Dickinson just isn't on his game. Someone else will be able to step up. And that was the case last year. That's why you win a bunch of games because you can turn to option B, uh, option C, D, and you can still get a win. Um, And that's now what it feels like for this team. You have a reasonable option E who's still a really, really good player. And it takes A, B, C, D, and E to all fail to lose. And this year it feels like there's even more of those options to um, avoid an airplane crash, which is the weirdest analogy I think I've ever made on any sort of video or podcast, but that's kind of what goes through my head. No, it makes sense though. Like it is a a good analogy. It's just not one you hear too often. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Real quick. uh, Lewis Blake, he asked this coach case last year. Yes. uh, He's going to be doing the whole, you know, the, the final tour and he's going to get gifts like Jeter, you know, that, that whole thing. Why is this a thing? And we can end the show on this. I like, even with Ed Orgeron, right at LSU, it's like, yeah, this is going to be his final year. Like, why? Why is this a thing where they just do like a like a full season in like Coach K's you know scenario? They announced that a while ago, long time ago. I like like Roy Williams, man, who's just like, nah, ain't coming back. Yeah, and it's just like I don't understand this sort of like victory lap sort of deal. I don't. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm in the minority there, but it just seems super odd to me to. Um, I guess it's probably good for the program, right? If you know that yeah. it's the last year, then the coach can kind of prep for the uh, for the next thing. It gives recruits a lot of time to like, you know, have that sort of transition ahead of time. So I guess I'm talking myself into reasons that it can be helpful from an administrative standpoint. But I guess selfishly from like a fan standpoint, it's just like, all right, you're gone. Like, I don't know. It just It just seems weird. Like, I don't like these guys make enough money to where I don't feel they need the, uh, the victory lap. Maybe I'm just heartless. I think that's probably the the solution (laughs) or that's the conclusion I'm coming here is just the, I, I just think these guys should just like retire and just enjoy yourself and you don't need the victory lap to enjoy yourself. But you know, those guys had quite a career. So, 
you know what, if they want to get celebrated a little bit, a little bit more TV time, you know, maybe they deserve that. So you would, there you go. You, you, you just want everyone to, to be like Draymond treating Paul Pierce, you know? That's it, man. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Lewis Blake says you're jelly, as in I'm jealous. Yeah, man. Uh, here's the thing. When I'm going to be done making videos, whatever that is down the line, I'm going to announce it 10 years in advance. And then for each year, I'm just going to have a countdown on the top of my videos. And you guys can all just celebrate each and every year <laughs> just so you I can have my victory laps. Like the end of the day, too, it's it's going to be like a distraction kind of for the Duke players, too. It's everywhere you go, there's going to be, you know, like gifts in a pregame ceremony when it's his last time playing there. You just it's it's, it's going to be that way. I, I don't know how good Duke's going to be this year anyway, so maybe it's a good year to do it. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here today. Anyway, I think we hit on everything we uh, plan to touch on. Appreciate everyone here in the, the YouTube watching it live as we do every Monday night at 730. You guys are fantastic. We really appreciate you guys keeping everything going uh, in the comments, giving us something to talk about. Appreciate your feedback and uh, always a lot of fun for those listening on the podcast. Uh, if you enjoy doing it that way, by all means, please do. Uh, you can join us, though, every Monday night at 7.30 on the Maze Brew YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe, rate, leave a review on the podcast as well as subscribe to the channel. Steven, where can we find you on social media? What you got going on this week, man? Yeah, you can find me at Steven Toski on Twitter. I'm going to be picking back up analysis of the Nebraska. <laughs> Sorry, you interrupted by showing the uh, emoji I found. It looks like a guy dabbing, you know, like Jay Chesson dabbing. It's called elbow cough. <laughs> I thought it was really funny just looking through that. So if you're on YouTube, look up the emoji elbow cough. And it reminded me of J.U. Chesson doing the uh, the dab after all of his <laughs> touchdowns. But um, anyway, yeah, ask Simitoski on Twitter. I'm going to be looking back on the previous game for offensive analysis. I had defense analysis on the YouTube channel. YouTube channel hit 5,000 subscribers this weekend, which is phenomenal. Let's go. Yeah, I appreciate all you guys' support. Um, yeah, it means a lot to get it to that mile marker. It was always a, uh, a big goal to get it there. So appreciate you all for doing that. Feel free to check out the channel. If you're interested in becoming a member, um, early access, uh, custom badges, that's the sort of like thing Lewis you can Blake do. Here, you get the cool logo next to you. You do. And, um, if you just like supporting the channel, head over to the Mason Brew YouTube channel and press the join button there. Um, but yeah, otherwise, ask Steve Matoski. I'll be posting some plays, hopefully for analysis this week. And um, yeah, we'll go from there. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Again, subscribe, rate, leave a review, man. We, we love to get the feedback. Love to have you guys in the comments on the YouTube uh, show every Monday night at 730. A whole lot of fun and uh, looking forward to doing it again next week. Hopefully talking about a win against Nebraska or excuse me, Northwestern and Looking ahead to uh, hopefully a match of undefeateds in East Lansing uh, the following week. So we'll see you next week for Stephen Ostatowski. I'm Luke Yardy. We'll see you then on Brewcast.